Welcome to the Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, coming to you from sweet recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. You know, people, if you have a podcast, a video cast, an audio book, or hell, if you need a studio built, sweet recording is a place for you. Joe Gangemi, not only is he a great guy and he knows his stuff, but he's honest and he'll take care of you. So reach out to them. Go to their website, sweet recording, S-U-I-T-E recording.com, or email them at hello at sweet recording.com. Anyway, we have a great show today. Every show is going to be great because of my guests. And I I always say I bring in people that I personally know. They're intelligent. They're not full of shit. They know what they're talking about. And they're just kind. And today is no different. And my first guest, I was just at his uh, 50th birthday party, knocking down some creamsicle IPAs from the law offices of Michael Adler. It's Michael Adler. Thanks, Steve. Great to see you again. And thanks again for having me on the Coop Tank. You're welcome. And next, she's uh, from Milestone Franchising, and she's the host of Franchise Focus on RBN-TV. It's Lisa Linkowski. Thanks so much, Steve. This is great and an honor to be with you guys. And finally, she's the host of the very popular Office Flip Flop podcast, and she's from Dress Smart, which I know she just got a certification, which we'll talk about in her introduction. It's Francesca. Oh, by the way, a name I love to say, Francesca Zampaglione. Yes. Thank you, Steve. It is such an honor to be here. And I love that you consider me intelligent and kind. So I appreciate being in this room with these incredible individuals. Thank you. No problem. Now we're going to find out what y'all do. You know, what makes you different? Take a little time. We're going to start off with uh, Michael Adler. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. I'm uh, managing partner of the law office of Michael Adler. Been an attorney for about 25 years. I've had my own law firm for more than 10 now. And I focus my practice on business law. So everything from corporate formation, partnership fights, business divorces, contracts, contract disputes, to real estate, buying, selling, zoning, land use, landlord, tenant, restaurant work. And then I work with a lot of nonprofits uh, from both formation of nonprofits and keeping them out of trouble and art law. So I work with artists, athletes, sculptors, painters, and entertainers on the business of their craft. It's basically the four buckets, a lot of overlap there, but I really enjoy all that I do. Thank you, Michael. And how about you, Lisa? Yeah. So as you stated, I'm the founder of Milestone Franchising. I'm a franchise advisor. So I'm helping people, those corporate refugees that want out and they want to get into their own thing, but they don't have their own concept. I represent over 500 different franchise concepts. And so I help them to figure out what can be a very murky space if you don't know anything about franchising. So I shine a light on it. I pry their eyes open to make them understand what this is all about. I walk many people away from it because it's not meant for them. And I work across the country and I do a lot of you know, networking within the tri-state area for people that want to uh, to see me in person or they know someone that knows me because of that whole trust, no trust and like things. So yeah, that's all about me. Okay, and how about you, Francesca? Thanks, Steve. Yes, you did a fine introduction and thank you for mentioning the certification. I am a certified women business and it was certified by WeBank, which stands for Women Business Enterprise National Council. They are the gold standard for certifying women-owned businesses in the country. So I was really honored to receive that certification a couple of months ago. Yes, I have my own um, podcast. Next week will mark my two-year anniversary. It's called Office Flip-Flops and lives in all the fun places that podcasts live. So Spotify, Apple, and I also place the videos on my YouTube channel. Um, and I am a speaker. So I am a speaker, course creator, and my business, yes, is Dress Smart. So that's a brand and image consulting firm. And I work with organizations um, in amplifying their brand and making sure that there's a level of consistency there with their messaging from their um, employees and how they appear and represent their organizations. So that's a brief summary of all the great things that I get to do in life. So thank right. you. That's great. Okay. I want to start off with a question because you all have gone out on your own. Okay. You all work for yourselves. And I want to know, well, it's a two-part question. One, what made you decide to go out on your own? And two, was there a defining moment? Like, you know, uh, I can't take this shit anymore. I got to get out of here a moment that made you go that way. We're going to start with you, Lisa. Oh boy, Steve. I, 
I write an article every month for Franchise Wire. It's an online resource. And my article this month is all about my 10-year journey. 10 years ago, franchising found me. I wasn't looking for it. That's my whole thing. And I had no interest in being a business owner, so I thought. And I, you know, ran, you know, my I'm a third generation business owner. And I, my brother and I ran to corporate America to get our nice benefits and our nice, you know, cozy, you know, trappings of corporate life. And I did all of that. And then things just started not being so rosy and so glossy and so wonderful. And I've worked from home for 20 years. And my last 10 years in corporate life, I was working from home. And my boss wanted me back in the corporate space. And I started having hives and waking up at night and sweats. And I'm like, I can't, I'm done. Like that world is so beyond me now, forget it. And that's how I ended up going into that whole realm of trying to think about what that next thing is. But I had no idea that this was the road that I was going to take at all. It wasn't anything that I sought. It all just kind of ended up going that way for me. How about you, Francesca? I love that question because it was a journey, as Lisa has explained. I will say from the get-go, I've always thought and wanted, I knew I wanted my own business. You know, my parents immigrated here from Italy. I'm first generation. I saw them as entrepreneurs. I saw them in building their businesses. My father was a mason, an incredible expert in his craft. And my mother, she was like a top Avon lady. Like they made it work right, with their modest education. So I saw that growing up. But yes, same thing, Lisa. I was in the corporate world. And it's not something that I grew up with. They didn't understand that. But I wanted a level of comfort there. But, and yes, I got sick at the end. So I left corporate in 2017. And when I left, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. But I knew I wasn't going back. Because my health, um, physically, mentally, emotionally was is worth more than that. So I figured it out along the way. And now um, just jumping into the speaker journey, like if we looked at my LinkedIn profile, I've been a speaker and a presenter my entire career. Right. So now I'm really lean, leaning strongly into that because I really want to help people with feeling better. So that in a nutshell, Steve, is my honest answer. It was just really hard. And when I think about you know, the physical problems that I had, I'm like, nope, my life is worth more than that. So that's, that's why. How about you, Michael? Yeah, great. Just like Lisa, I just recently passed my 10 year milestone uh, since the last time I've had a paycheck from corporate America. Uh, I left a firm in June of 2013. And I was a partner in a big firm in Philly and uh, no looking back. There's a longer version to this. I've been on Steve's stories, uh, Coop Tank before and told a little more of my story. But my father went to law school as a second career. And uh, when he was in his 40s and when I turned about 40, I wanted to start my own law firm and be av available to my kids and sort of put myself first, the work-life balance thing. Also, I work with clients all the time who are startup entrepreneurs. So I wanted to walk the walk with them and really teach them what it means to start your own business and help them from the ground up. And I've lived it, I walk it, and I help other people do the same. You know, it's funny when, when you go out on your own, you know, whenever you go to an event, we're going to talk about networking eventually, but everyone always says, you ask, how are you doing? They're going, we're doing great. We're doing great. No one ever talks about self-doubt. And, you know, I, I think whenever you go out on your own, you have that self-doubt. And I told Joe, the producer, earlier story that I'm going to tell you guys. I have a friend who's an actor. His name's Paul Ben Victor. He's been in a ton of stuff, okay? He played the Greek on The Wire. Now, he's had a great resume, did the screen test. He goes in, and he said on, like, the second day, of, he just didn't feel right. He's like, I'm waiting for them to come up to me and say, you know what? We cast the wrong guy. You know, you're not supposed to be here. And it was a self-doubt that I think everyone goes through. I go through it. But do any of you ever have moments of self-doubt? Because it is scary. And how do you... How do you deal with that? Because it's not something that people talk about. I always I take ashwagandha now. It's, it's this herbal substance that helps me great. I don't stress. I'm I'm an, a ball of stress. But M Michael, how do you, if you get, I'm sure we all get stuffed out. How do you deal with it? What do you do that breaks you? Because you all are doing well. 
but we still we sit there and go oh shit what happens if we we lose everything and we aren't because we know yeah. people and if we started to go fund me we get a shitload of money we'd never have to work again but michael what is it that you deal with uh what, what, what well, do you do when you get self-doubt well I, th I think it's about building a foundation to avoid those moments of when you have self-doubt sometimes it's called imposter syndrome where you know you're sort of you believe that other people, you know, imposter syndrome has been written about a lot. It's where, you know, you don't have the confidence to believe that you can do what other people think you do. I've always built a foundation and we can get into networking certainly, but I build referral networks so that I know that I'm always giving resources out to people so that they come back to me, not a BNI group. I, I, no, I don't mean to shit on BNI or some of the other, you know, referral based networking group. I'm talking about a real mastermind of people from different industries who just got your back. It could be a women's group. It could be uh, business, you know, where referrals come second. It's about building relationships with people that care about you, get to know you, get to know your family, and you build relationships. Once you have that, I don't think you can possibly have self-doubt. We all go through challenges and ups and downs, but building that foundation of friendships that build to business relationships has just kept me going and my phone has never stopped ringing. I'm really grateful for that. How about you, Francesca? What a great question. Again, so you bring up imposter syndrome, Michael, and I was so curious about it because I've been living it that I was certified by Dr. Valerie Young, who's done 40 years of research on the topic. Wow. So when I found out that she was offering a coach practitioner training, I went in and mm -hmm. I was just certified by her last summer as an imposter syndrome practitioner coach because I believe these moments of doubt they slip in every once in a and once in a while. And what I offer to my clients and to uh, a presentation, actually, I've been asked to go back, um, well, virtually to a UK networking group. They're like, we really like the advice. I have two main things that we need to focus on as entrepreneurs: build your vibe. So try and if you find yourself slipping into that negativity mode, what can you do? Hmm to get you out. So build your vibe and build your tribe, which is exactly what Michael was talking about. Be surrounded by people who you can call in a moment's notice to say, hey, can you help brainstorm with me? Or I'm feeling this way, help me, help get me out. Sometimes we just need that. Build your vibe and build your tribe because those motions, these emotions of imposter syndrome can just be a moment in time. And that's what we need to be remember, to remember and not to be your lifetime. It's a moment in time. Recognize it and let it go. So that's right. how I get around it, Steve. Okay, how about you, Lise? Business ownership is hard. It's what I tell my candidates every day. And it can be gut jarringly like vomit inducing, uh, or it can be incredibly exhilarating. I had a moment six months after I had started my franchise 10 years ago, where I woke up during the middle of the night and I was filled with self-doubt and I shook my husband awake. It was literally the middle of the night. He was like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, if this doesn't work out, like, are you going to leave me? Like, right. Cause I really bullied him into it. Like I was like, this is what I'm doing. Like this is what I have to do. And he was like, you're going to be fine. Go back to sleep. And you're lucky it's Saturday morning. Like, you know, and that was it. Like I've got your back. <laughs> So then, you know, um, that business went under with the pandemic. I had my business for close to seven years. And now I go out to milestone franchising in the middle of the pandemic. I was like, what am I doing? But that support and that unwavering belief from my friends and family, my one closest friend, she virtually slapped me and said, everything that you've, you've come to has led to this point everything that's from your entire time. She goes, that's how you have to look at it. And I was like, okay, all right, great. But I've had incredibly rocky times with both businesses. And I have a mastermind in the franchise consultant world. And I laid my cards on the table to everyone. I'm like, listen, I haven't closed a deal in X amount of months. And it is so hard right now. I had deals blow up just life happened, like just everything that could have splatted at the wall and gone wrong, gone wrong. 
And everyone was like, but you do everything. You've got a TV show. You're out there. You network, you do blah, blah. And I went, exactly. So if it can happen to me, it's going to happen to other people. So I'm warning you, be prepared. And when you get in your income, because this is a, you know, this is just like real estate. You get paid, then you don't get paid. Then you get paid, you don't get paid. I said, be very careful, be very conservative and understand there's dry times. And then you'll get back out through the desert. What's well, funny, you, you mentioned, you mentioned how the, uh, you know, your network, your, your help and Michael said you have your network and, and we all network a lot. And what I've noticed is also now, now networking where it used to be about, I think where we're all in the same mind frame where it's about creating relationships. Some people use it as a popularity contest and, mm -hmm. and, and I, you know, and I, I don't understand that. I always think, you know, something's been, I'm waiting for a prom king and queen to walk in and like wave to everybody because I'm like, what is this bullshit? You know, you're here to network, but what do you do? How do you find the people? Because I'm a, from doing comedy, I become very instinctual. I know when someone's full of shit. I can go in the room and say that person's full of shit. That person's nice, and I will talk to that person. And I'm somewhat of an introvert, which people don't believe. But I don't like to talk to a lot of people. I like to talk to people that interest me. But but how do you find the good people? And and the second part of that question is: Have you ever been burnt? by someone you thought was really cool and excuse the language, they just fucked you over. Has it ever happened to you? And we'll start with you, Francesca. Woo. Yeah. Has anybody fucked me over? Of course. Right. <laughs> and you know why Steve, because I didn't lean into my intuition because that is what I use as well. It's not, it's via email, uh, via an introduction. Um, I really am leaning harder and harder into paying attention to my gut. That's my brain. And when I listen to that, I feel much better about myself and the conversations that I'm having. I'm with you, Steve. I'm also an introvert, right? So how do we in a crowd of people find each other? Well, I don't know. The last net, one of the last networking things I went to, I saw you and we started talking like, oh my gosh, this is the first time we've met in person. And then we have a conversation. So I just pay attention to my gut more than anything. And Sometimes, you know, some somebody makes an introduction. I'm like, oh, you know, they'll say to me, oh, this person, they'll get you and they'll understand you. And and I don't feel that. But out of a courtesy to my friend, I listen and then I just leave it there. I just leave it on the table and say, you know what? It was worth my time to know that this person's not for me. And then I move on. How about you, Lisa? Virtual networking has been a godsend, in my opinion. I know people that can't stand it, but for me, I have had the most authentic conversations doing virtual networking and tears shed, laughter beyond like where I almost fell out on my chair laughing so hard. And that experience, I've had Zoom networking where we never even talked an ounce about work. And then we had to reschedule that happened with Amanda Wood. Our first meeting, we sat there, we had so many things in common and so many like just, just life things. And we had to reschedule and go, okay, now we're going to talk about work. Like we promised we're going to talk about work, right? When you get those kind of connections, they're not fabricated. They're not made up. Like they're just an instantaneous thing. And it doesn't happen always, but I feel like you know, you just sit there and you get some kind of connection and it's hard in a big crowd of people. It is. It's very hard in those big, you know, 100, 150 room, you know, group settings. However, because I've made so many of those authentic relationships, when I come into an event like the bankroll where you and I just saw each other and 10 people come to me that I've been networking with for over two years and we've never met in person. And we're like so genuinely thrilled to see each other. And you're just over the moon. Then you know, oh, I'm doing the right thing. You know, and I think that's the piece of it. But that that one-on-one -on -one is the most important piece because anything else from that, it's just surface. It's all surface level. How about you, Mr. Adler? Which is funny. I met you for the first time. We've been networking for over two and a half years. I met you the first time when you came into studio for the Coop Tag. And then I saw you at your party on Saturday night, which we didn't network. So we've never networked in person. But what's your answer to the question? Well, you've also been at my house, right? You've oh, yes, yes. House. Oh, you're right. I'm yeah. sorry. I forgot about that. Yeah. I was you at his house. I was, he yeah. had me mow the lawn. He had me mow the no. lawn. I needed some money. Uh, it was wonderful. Now, what, what, uh, tell what your, what your insight is. 
No, uh, insight. Wow. Um, so first of all, virtual networking, I'm a little over. I, I really want to get it. I'd like to get out there, have a one-on-one -on -one with somebody over breakfast. Um, one of my tips, I almost never have lunch with somebody. I find that the lunch time, by the time I stop work, go to lunch, meet someone for lunch, wait for the check, wait for my food and get back. I've lost three hours where in the morning I can meet someone early. I'm a morning early riser. I'll have you over for coffee or we'll meet somewhere for breakfast. 45 minutes in and out. Good. So that's more of an efficiency thing for me. Um, in terms of at a networking event, I kind of look around and look for the person who may be a little uncomfortable and maybe on the edge, on the side, and maybe not know anybody. I find that my best conversations over the last decades have been with that person who I reached out to first and with an easy icebreaker. Do you know anybody here? Or, um, you know, I haven't been here before, things like that. Just something that makes them feel at ease. And that, that person ends up being like the introvert CEO of a company. It doesn't matter who they are. You build relationships with who that person is, but you reach out to that person. That's a, in terms of getting effed over by somebody. I mean, I like you, Steve, I have a pretty quick bullshit detector about people, witnesses, clients. So I try to keep my distance. I trust, but verify. I listen to people, but then do a lot of digging about people and find out that most of what they say is full of it. And, you know, those, I try to keep myself surrounded by transparent and authentic people. Isn't it worse when you're, when you're on a zoom call and you know, the person's just full of shit and you're just sitting there and you're like, Oh my God, like, can I get out of here? And, and it stinks like in a live event, you can go, Oh, my phone's ringing, but on a zoom, you really can't get out of it, which sucks. But uh, I also want to talk about, we're all, you know, we're all, out of college we've been out of college for a while we're not like we're not like 22 year olds 23 year olds and and i think when you're younger you know success is you know when i was younger i wanted to be a a star but i know if i had become a star if i would have od'd and you know had eight marriages i would have been an asshole but for you now what is success because i think sometimes i looked on linkedin and i see people they're always posting this and this and this and this and this to say oh we're successful like we're on a board i know michael you're on boards because you care i was asked to be on a board for my friends i know you're involved in charter schools i've been asked to be on a board i didn't want to do it i was very flattered and i know people think of what success is and i it goes back to me you know in, in Fast Times at Regiment High, when Spicoli says, all I need is the tasty waves, a cool buzz, and I'm fine. It's the little things. To you, at this point in your life, and being through corporate and being different things, what defines success to you? And we're going to start with you, Lisa. Ooh, um, integrity. Integrity is everything. And doing no harm. You know, the the world that I'm in, just like any world, any world can be very bad and vapid and damaging, right? Every profession has, has good and bad in it. And so helping people to Francesca's point about wanting to help people and doing it and doing it for the right purpose, that's it, right? But then it also comes from my family. And that goes back to my original journey of wanting to be the mom that I needed to be, be the wife I needed to be, be the person I needed to be. And corporate was just sucking that all away. And so now being able to have both sides of that and being able to hold my head up high. And when my kids were remote and they were listening to me on the calls with clients and hearing me talk people away from this, my daughter just heard me have to do that this week. She was like, that's so hard. How do you do that? And I said, because it's the right thing to do. And it's the only thing to do, like, that's it. But that setting that for the people around me and also putting it out there into the, into the ether, right, is very, very important. That's success for me all the way. How about you, Michael? Um, so success for me has always been a moving target. And that's fine. You know, especially now that I just passed a milestone birthday, I've been thinking about that. Have I been successful? Some people would say yes, and I just want to be better, but I'm not achieving perfection anymore. I think success is about achieving passion and purpose and continuously finding passion and purpose, but not perfection. So, you know, do I have a well-balanced life? Do I have enough money that I'm comfortable? Have I put a little bit away for retirement? Am I getting things that I need for my children who are now getting to be of college age? 
if I'm checking those boxes, the answer is I'm the most successful person that I can't possibly want to be. I'm never going to be the richest lawyer in Philadelphia. I've always said that, but I want to have a life that's full of meaning and involved with civic and cultural and political and be just a resource for people that need me. And I think by that measure, I continue to achieve success. How about you, Francesca? Um, both of you have answered so well, and I just want to echo both of your comments. And I look at success and how I used to define it in corporate, right? It was always a title, a promotion, an increase. And then jumping off of that into entrepreneurship, you have to look at it so differently. And that's where that doubt comes in, like, well, I'm not doing this. And so I've learned to remaster what that definition is. And yes, it is about authenticity and truth in myself, because I couldn't be myself in that corporate world. Me, right? Francesca could not be her true self in that world. So that's why I'm out here, right? That's why I got sick because it was not me, but being here and being my best self so I can be there of service for others, that success and realizing the power that we all have and the reason why we're here is to help each other. We're not here alone. We're all here for a bigger purpose. That success, realizing that, recognizing that, and knowing how far I've come in that initial definition, which was not, and now being my honest and true self for everyone who I come in contact with. Okay. And here's a question. It's a little out there, but I, it just came to my mind. And, and, I, and I was talking to someone about this yesterday. When we go to events or when we meet people, what is your viewpoint on hugging? Now, I'm I'm a guy who I will hug guys. I don't like to hug women if I don't know them that good. I was at an event and someone hugged me and gave me a kiss on the cheek. And they were much younger than me. And I felt like that creepy old dude. And I'm not. Okay, but I felt like the guy that you see, they post a picture of an event and they have the two youngest, cutest girls under the arm and they look like the biggest douchebags ever to walk to earth. It's like they think for some reason they can get them like, yo, dude, you're 60, you're fat. And, you know, whatever you do, she's a beautiful 25 year old, but oh, she's going to leave with you. And it disgusts me. And I, I it just it disgusts me when I worked in restaurants, it disgusts me. But the hugging aspect, like what is an acceptable hug? Like I know Lisa, I know Francesca and I know Michael. I will hug Michael because he's a male. For you, I don't know if I know you that good to hug. Like we've met, I've met Lisa like once or twice. I've met Francesca once. But what is what is your viewpoint? And I want to hear because we have two women and one male. And we're going to start with the male's viewpoint about hugging. And I want to hear what your rebuttal is and what your, your input on it. But Michael, what is your hugging? Hugging at networking events. Is it okay? Is it, is it, do you, I mean, you know, because there's always like that guy who hugs you like, like creepy, like, oh, and you're like, oh my God, get, get off me. But what what is your what is your view on it? That's a good one. I mean, I, I have a lot of female friends, a lot of female networking uh, partners, and a lot of female clients and good relationships with them. I'm a hugger. I've been a hugger. Um, I hope I don't come off as creepy, but I usually look for a cue first. Usually there's a cue coming at you. It's the way that you're approached. Um, if the woman is reaching out a hand to me, the hand is coming back and that's all. I mean, uh, I'd like to hear from my female uh, panelists here, but um, you know, the times have changed and I think professional networking, you just have to manage, you just have to be aware of certain contexts and cues. How about, how about you, Lisa? Ooh, I came up through manufacturing, Steve. And so I don't give off any vibe of any kind whatsoever, ever, right? Like whatever that is, whatever that vibe is, everyone understands that this is, this is, this is business only. And so that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would have to really know someone very, very well for them to be thinking that they should hug me and that I would be hugging them to be in that kind of environment. Um, I sat there thinking in my head of who at a professional event that I've hugged <laughs> and it's pretty, it's pretty narrow, you right. know, because as a woman, we have to be in a different place and there's alcohol being poured and you've got to be very, very careful. I had a guy at a, at an event in my industry and he started getting handsy on me and I was like, Oh, 
oh, this needs to be shut down right now. And he was like, well, I'm getting divorced. Uh, and I was like, congratulations. Hi, I got to go. I got to get out of here. Right. So as a woman, we're always, and I'm speaking for me, on guard. And it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance. I'll say that. How about you, Francesca? Yeah. Well, so I'm laughing so hard inside because I'm going to tell you guys a story of something that happened in my last corporate job. But with Michael, I do look for a cue. Like, are they encroaching forward? I am also a hugger. It's just who I am by nature. But yes, we need to pay attention to that other person's comfort level. But um, there's there's always a cue. However, there was this one person who was a vendor of mine and um, sweaty man, sweaty palms, <laughs> sweaty face, had herpes thing on his yeah. lip, right? And he would always have to kiss me on my face. And I'm like, oh my God, he's a client. How do I get around this? And then I said, you know, you don't have to kiss me. Like literally I ran to the bathroom that day and washed my face and hands like you would not believe because I was so freaked out that he had herpes and he touched my face. But he was so offended when I said, we don't have to hug. I don't remember how I said it, but it doesn't matter because he was just so so torn off about it. So I'm very careful about paying attention to these cues and try to give them first. So I out, put my hand out there, but it is, it is, we're back now to being in person. This wasn't a problem, you know, for three years and now we have to figure it all out again. So if you're not a hugger, you know, extend that hand. Or if you're a hugger, like, is it a shoulder hug? Is it like, you know, cheek to cheek hug? Is it a full body hug? You know, there's a way to just do it lightly. Um, I don't know, but I, I'm a hugger. I just want to show people love. But if you have something going on in your face, please just stay home. <laughs> so stay. I had said about the pictures, you know, the guys post pictures in LinkedIn. LinkedIn to me, I love LinkedIn. We all need it. But sometimes it seems to me it's almost like a, a business MySpace. Okay, it's it's like I always say there's a there's a bunch of videos which are great, but there's a bunch of videos that suck. There's a bunch of people who overpost. There's some people who don't. What do you think are some boundaries on LinkedIn? Like I don't think people should. And I'm going to ask you about these two things. I don't think people should post about politics on LinkedIn, and I don't think they should post about religion. And my reason is just like when I do comedy. I will not, I don't, I'm not political anyway, but I would never do political material because you're already, you're, you're turning half the audience away. And for me, there are people that paid and I don't want to, you know, you make your hard earned money, but I don't think for me, I don't think there should, I don't, I don't like when I see religion. I don't like someone saying, thank God I got this deal. Well, no, maybe you worked your ass off to get that deal. I don't care about people saying, oh, well, you know, fuck Trump or fuck Biden or whatever. To me, it's not the place. But what what's your view on LinkedIn with religion and politics, Francesca? Doesn't belong there. Steve, quick answer. It doesn't belong there. And also, if you're just looking for a sale and you're DM, DMing people, like I just X out invitations all the time because they'll see me with my post for, for my podcast. Like, oh, let me do your social media. I don't have... We have zero mutual connections. There's no message. So I down, you know, decline the invitation. But we also need to be careful with how we present ourselves. But politics and religion do not belong there. That is a business social networking platform. And I'd love to keep it that way because all those other places, which we won't mention here, let people do what they want. But this is business. Let's treat each other with respect and leave those other things out. How about you, Michael? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, in my other box in LinkedIn, I get a lot of potential franchise opportunity inquiries. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's the bane of Lisa's. Not existence. from me. Not <laughs> from me. Yeah, with zero contacts in common, and they've seen my resume and they think it's impressive, and they think with my business background, I might be interested in some potential franchise opportunities. Other than that, though, no, of course, I use LinkedIn as an extension of my brand. So it's uh, different than the way I use Twitter and the, different than the way I use Facebook. And so on LinkedIn, it's more of a, you know, who I see myself as differentiating from others as an attorney with a brand of humor. And, um, you know, it may be an event that I attended. So I want to include people in that. Also, I sometimes attend events because I want to get people 
invited to the things that I'm part of. So I get a lot of private messages like, I didn't know about Philadelphia 250. That looked like a great event. What is Philadelphia 250? Um, that happens all the time. And then, you know, sometimes you drop a nugget of pearl or wisdom, maybe an article you wrote. That's a good use of LinkedIn, but alienating potential people you don't have a relationship with by politics or religion, just completely the wrong, wrong platform. How about you, Lisa? Because also, one, you have to do the franchise and you also want to promote your TV show and the franchise. You do the same with your podcast. Me, I promote my shows. I really don't promote Cooper Talk unless I have a really a big guest that people relate to. But I do I promote this. And I don't really don't, I, I don't really do the TV show as much as much because, you know, it's music and it's industry. But I should. But what's your what what do you think about the politics and religion? And what do you think LinkedIn is good for, Lisa? Has zero place in LinkedIn, zero. And I'm cringing thinking about the upcoming election in 2024 and <laughs> is it going to enter? And I remember there was some start of little flares of politics like a couple years ago and everyone was quickly shutting it down going, there's no place for this. There's no place for this. I'm like, please keep it this way, right? But I'm going to go one further and this is controversial. But I'm not a big fan of personal posts. I'm not a big fan when people talk about their families and things that are happening within their families, because that to me is what Facebook is for or Instagram. And so when people put that in or they'll they'll somehow they'll they'll post a picture of their kid and then somehow wrap it around to their business in some way. And I'm like, I don't really understand that, but okay. But yeah, so I really think it's a business platform. To, to Michael's point, um, I do a lot of posting about the Princeton Chamber because I'm on the membership committee and I want people to, you know, to, to know about events. And sometimes pe people do feel that these are inclusive events and that it's like, you know, a you know, a um, invitation only type thing. So I'm always wanting to let people see that there's these different things and that, you know, you can be invited to it. Um, I think it's a great purpose. I, I, I get hit at network networking events from people that go, if I get one more solicitation for a, from a franchise and I'm like, I'm really, really, really sorry. It's awful. I've been solicited. I have. And I immediately respond back. I'm like, do you even know who you're saying this to? It's all bots, but I do apologize on behalf of the franchise world. I now, do. What, what do you think about the LinkedIn? There's people that just strive. They strive for likes. You know, they want to be an influencer and then they forget that, you know, Charles Manson and David Koresh were influencers. Okay. I laughed I mean, when, when you, you posted it. that. But it's, it's, and I believe that, but people, they strive for likes, but likes don't equal business. Mm -hmm. I had some of the guys said to me, oh man, it sucks. I never get likes. I said, oh, but are you getting business? He goes, yeah. He says, so what do you care? But why do you think it is that people are so consumed? But we all like, we all like likes. Don't get me wrong. You, you post something, like I'll post something on Facebook. I'll post a joke. If no one likes it, I go, oh, that joke sucks and I'll pull it off. Because I'm like, I, I, but I don't let it give time. I don't let it stew and simmer. But why do you think that people are so consumed? And I mean, they're they're consumed with likes and showing something on LinkedIn that when you meet them, you know damn well they're full of shit because no one's life is that good. It's impossible. I mean, you know, you can't close every deal. You have all, all my referral partners, but are they really referral partners if they don't give you referrals? No, they're just people you know. But what's your, what's your philosophy on why people try to get so many likes? I'm going to start with Michael because Michael didn't try it, but Michael had a tweet that blew up. I mean, Steph Curry repeated it. My, I, that shit stratosphere was there 30,000 whatever but yep. what do you think it is that drives people to get these likes is it an insecurity is it you know because their business sucks and they just want to look important but what do you think it is i don't know dopamine not enough hugs from their mom when they were younger um people just people sometimes connect the amount of engagement on their posts with connecting to business there's whole strategies of how to get more organic authentic conversation through LinkedIn. Some of it works, some of it doesn't, but you have to be your transparent, authentic self. Um, pretty cool to have a random tweet go viral, but did that turn into business? No, but I still hear about it seven, eight years later. How about you, Lisa? Yeah, it's the way that we're all wired now and everything. It's all social media all day long. 
I've really hit back on my social media. Um, I lived a ton on Facebook. I, I, I run five different groups for various things and it's all just become so much and Twitter's a dumpster fire. Like it's just all very difficult, but I think that we're just so used to that that we don't know anything else like it because this is just where we're at now but when i'm posting something again it's for that informational purpose and it's also to remind people hey don't forget this is what i do but then i saw someone that i network with for the past several years that just went and got a franchise and i was like oh okay ah, like it hurt like it was like oh, all right, no consult, no asking, no nothing, nothing. And I just sat there going, huh. And it's it's been swirling around in my head for the past, like, you know, it's gotten in my head for the past couple of days, but what are you going to do? Right. Like, that's just what it is. But, you know, I think that there's a purpose of it. Sometimes people be like, oh, I see you all the time on LinkedIn. And my immediate response is, I'm really sorry. Like, that's my immediate response. But then I'm like, well, but that's the purpose is that I want people to remember who I am and that also I'm there helping other people. So I also post a lot of other people's stuff as well. And so that's the other piece of of, of LinkedIn is, is helping others and helping to promote them and what they're doing as well. How about you, Francesca? Yes, I'm with Lisa. We're conditioned now. This is, you know, what we've had is a vehicle for self-acceptance for however long we've been on whatever social media platform. So is it because we're looking for that virtual hug through a like? Is it a popularity contest? What I don't like is that we look at it and compare ourselves to others' success, bringing, looping that word back in here, Steve. You know, it can be disheartening if you compare yourself to others and like, you know, well, they have 500 and I only have whatever. So I think it's something we should approach being much more care careful about what it means. And like you said, we can spot the fakers right away. And going back to why we're all here, we're all here for a reason to help others and to be of service. And those of us who do that know, and I don't know, is it a lack of self-worth? It could be a couple of different things, but, you know, let's not compare ourselves to others. So we're, we yeah. appear more successful when we're not. Great point, Francesca. Really important point. Thank you. What about bragging? What about bragging on social media? Now, I'll be honest. I have no problem if someone brags. I have someone goes, hey, man, I just closed a deal. I'm never going to have to work again. I'm like more powerful. But I have a problem when someone humble brags. When you're like, oh, yeah, I was happy to walk down the street and I bumped into this guy that owed me $2 million for it. And they they, they sugarcoat it. But what is your make it? This, I want a short answer in this because bragging. Are you for it? Are you for it? As I said, if Michael Adler came on and said, holy shit, I just got this biggest case in my fucking career. You can all kiss my ass. I would say, cool. I'd be happy for him. But what is what is your thought on people brag? And you see it. I mean, you know, it's and sometimes people hide it. But for me, I just said, I'd rather see someone brag than hide it. Would you rather see a brag, a humble brag, or neither? Lisa? I don't see it that much. So maybe I'm missing it. Um, I don't see it that that much. It, it has not become something. But, you know, nonstop. I think, like, if I've got a testimonial from someone and I post about a testimonial, because the testimonial, I just did that a couple of weeks ago. Someone wrote the most heartfelt thing about me that I was like, oh my God. And I shared that because it was to my core. And is that bragging? I guess you could say that, but- Good, you should. No. You, no, you should share it. It's not bragging, but it's bragging in a good way. Yeah. Okay, now how about you, Francesca? Do you like like bragging? Because you all know what humble bragging is. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's big in the entertainment business. Hey, I did this. Uh, I was driving to yeah. uh, here. Uh, look at me. And I ran into Tom Hanks and he said this. Uh, it's all bullshit. Uh, Francesca. Can we, can we brag by adding value that uh, it just, you know, can we, can we, like Lisa just said, I had this heartfelt testimonial. Can I share that? Because it meant so much to me. Yeah, I, I think we absolutely should do things like that. But yeah, there's those show offs. We know who they are. Like, good for them. But that's the way they perceive life. It's not going to change how we perceive life. That's the way I look at it. 
How about you, Mr. Uh, Bragger, Mr. Adler, yeah, the right. big shot yeah. bragger? Michael Bragg, Michael Adler's always bragging at the party. He's like, oh, look, look, I got this great restaurant. And he asked me to kiss his ring. I was like, screw. No, uh, <laughs> Michael, uh, what, what's your uh, thing on that? Um, I think thoughts and prayers have been replaced by the phrase honored and privileged. Um, so you see that way too often. I use it a little often, but, you know, uh, social media is a bit of, uh, finding your brand, finding your voice. And I don't want it to be all about brag, but one out of 10 can be brag one out of 20. You want people to know that you've been honored and privileged or, um, that something good has happened. I usually don't post client victories. That's just not, most people don't even know who my clients are. I keep that very confidential. Um, so it might be, uh, you know, being board service or something, but to, uh, to Francesca's point, there's usually some other value in there. There's another reason behind it than just, for example, me, I got an award. There's, a, I'm trying to let people know for more information about the organization, for example, and you'll see that in my posts. I have one final question. What would your advice be to someone who's just getting out in the real world? It's so funny on LinkedIn, uh, the Stockton page where I went to Stockton University, it said, what would be your advice to someone starting at Stockton? And I put, you know, be yourself, just enjoy college, enjoy campus life. It's it's so important. But then some guy was like, well, uh, when you get out of college, have a, have a great boss on your first job. I'm like, no, dude, they're asking about, you know, what do you want in college? But what would your be advice for someone who just graduated college after you've all been through the corporate bullshit? You know, you, it, it's gotten you sick. It's changed you. But then you've all gone your own paths. And Lisa, you've lost the business, you said, but you rebounded. Francesca, five years ago, you just start over. What would you give advice to that person who's just graduating college? Francesca, what would you tell them? I have top three things that I've shared that I've had the honor to do this at Widener University, my alma mater. And there's three things that I share with them, Steve. Know your why. That's what's going to get you up every morning. It might change, but know your why. Always take care of yourself because your health is important and no one's going to tell you that. No one's going to help you make these habits. Always take care of yourself and never stop learning. So there's so much free information out there that wasn't available when I graduated school, right? We have YouTube, internet, podcasts, there's so much, and you don't have to take a test. So learn something, share it. And those are the top three things that I think drive me and that are generalistic enough that people can take with them wherever they go. It's funny, you gave these three things. It's like West Side Widener. See, I got that subliminal Widener in the house. You got that. Uh, yes. See that? Uh, how about you, Lisa? Uh, so, especially for women, um, young women out there, is know your value. I see that all the time. Women are very, we're very guilty of not understanding our confidence level and knowing what, what our value is. And so, holding your head up at high and being like, listen, I worked really hard and I should be getting paid this amount. So that's one of the pieces that I would say is most important. And also just like your personal relationships, if your corporate relationship is toxic, get out, start finding somewhere else and go somewhere else because it doesn't have to be that way. But if it is a toxic environment that can just bring you down and burn your personal relationships and everything else with it. So, you know, be on the lookout for that and know that there's other places that you can go to. How about you, Mike? That's awesome. So um, just like Francesca, I've, I've been involved with both my undergrad alma mater Rutgers and my law school alma mater Temple, I'm very involved with both alumni association. I was just asked to write an article to the Rutgers graduates of the current class of 2023. Francesca gave great advice, and now I wish I could have rewritten my speech. But oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that I talk about is like now you're part of the club. Like when you graduate college, you're now part of an alumni association. The people that you drank with and you were friends with in Rutgers or wherever, Widener, 
they're now like your network. So like reach out to them on LinkedIn and start building a network. The people you already have a relationship with is a great way to start. So they're going to be your future boss, your client, your colleague, your vendor. That's where you start. You already have something. You could already share, you know, are you rah, rah, hoorah, hoorah, Rutgers, rah. Like you have something in common. So share passion-based networking rather than transaction-based networking. I'm going to jump in also and say that I tell people stay in touch with your mentors. That's my biggest regret. We didn't have a lot of avenues when I was coming up through corporate America. And so I lost track of people that I wish that I still had in my, in my base to this day. So staying in touch with those keep important people. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. You know, you guys, this is always fun. I love talking to like-minded people. Now, now tell people how they can get in touch with you, how they can find their, they're your shows and all that. And we'll start with, uh, we'll start with you, Mr. Adler. Okay. Our best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. I'm at the law office of Michael Adler on LinkedIn or Michael Adler. Very easy to find an attorney on social media. How about you, Lisa? Yeah. So everything from my social media, including my YouTube channel is at milestone franchising and, uh, finding me on LinkedIn, Linkowski, my last name, L-I-N-K-O-W-S-K-Y. And Francesca, Zampaglione. Zampaglione. So yes, LinkedIn would be great. And, you know, connect with me, send me an invite and tell me how you found out about me. So I'll accept it and we can set up something. Uh, my company name is Dressed Smart. So it's dressedsmart.com. And <clears throat> excuse me, I my podcast is Office Flip-Flops and is all the fun places that you listen. So would love if you subscribe and follow. Um, it's a great show. It's it's there to start your day to get your quick dopamine hit. My episodes are 20 minutes or less. So I'm looking to help people start and finish something in their commute to work to set themselves off for a great day. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, people also, you can go to the YouTube, The Coop Tank, subscribe to it comment on it rate it whatever you do there uh my podcast this podcast you can find all episodes at the coop tank.podbean.com or on amazon music spotify or itunes my other podcast cooper talk you can find 965 episodes at coopertalk.net also go to rvn television to see on demand my shows for cooper talk local if you want to start a podcast me and joe will work with you Check us out. If you're going to definitely want to start a podcast and you know what we're going to do and you need a studio, you got to go come to Sweet Recording. That's right. S-U-I-T-E recording.com. Joe Gamjami is the man. He produces my show. There's a reason why I record my show here and the reason why he produces my stuff because he's great. And also email me at the Coop Tank at Yahoo. Anyway, I will talk to you next week. Go check out past shows. I'm Steve Cooper and you have a great weekend. <laughs>